There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hope all the dads out there had a happy Father's Day. You too, Steve Versnick. I did as well. Um, and listen, when you've got young kids, and as I do, it's funny because I feel I feel like you're blessed to have children. That's what, that's what made you a dad. And of course, you know, your wife was a big part of that. And they want to have a nice day for you and all of that. But when the U.S. Open is on and the Rays are playing <laughs> at 4 o'clock, is it wrong of me, Steve, to just say, hey, I'll be in my room with the remote. Okay, guys? I just want I just want to chill, man. See, that's is where it? I lucked out. I have two boys, and they're more than happy to watch the race. <laughs> yeah, there you and, go. And, and yeah. do that stuff. Where you have two girls who are probably mm-hmm. less likely to. Well, they. I mean, they wanted to please me, but it was also sort of like, you know, they also had some of their own agenda. But um, but we had we had a good time. I mean, we went out to you know went out and had a meal and all that stuff, and so it was it was fine. It was a fine day. But yeah, there's there's it seems like, and I don't think it's an accident that the U.S. Open is always on Father's Day. It is weekend. It's every and, it is and, and, and for a reason. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and this year, how do you feel about this? Because I'm I. I'm starting to have a guilty pleasure about West Coast golf. <laughs> I'm starting to like the fact that the day can go by, and then at 6 p.m. I can watch an entire tournament for four hours. I like the timing of the West Coast golf. Yeah. I thought the crowd at the Los Angeles Country Club was awful, mm. um, and in part because of the 23,000 tickets that were given out. Yeah, Less than 9,000 were given out general admission. It was all... Corporate oh, sponsor, bougie, taking care of everybody in L.A. and, uh-huh. and not the the fans that bring energy, that bring excitement. Right, right. Um, so I thought the crowds were pretty bad in in this uh, this tournament. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting, you know, playing a course that they had never played before, basically, or you know, definitely never hosted a U.S. Open before. So that was you know That's different right. for some golfers. An eighty-one yard hole. I'm like, you mean I could insane. play in the U.S. Open? Yeah, you could. I mean. I wouldn't want to miss the well, green from 81 yards because you'd be hacking it out there for about 20 days because some of the fescue and the, and the tall grass that they yes. had was crazy. Um, but uh, to your point, yeah, it was it was reachable even with my pitching wedge, which is not usually the case. Um, there were some 500-yard part fours, well, however. <laughs> it's like, holy cow. Um, I don't think I could drive it with a cart that far in four, in four shots, but... Um, pretty interesting finish though. Wyndham, Wyndham Clark won Uh great story. His, um, his mom, uh, Lisi, uh, died when he was in college, I guess. And, um, you know, so for him to win his first major, he shot an even par 70. How about Roy McElroy, by the way, this guy has finished second. It seems like every major for the last, I don't know, five years. And he was, he was one shot back and, and I didn't realize this, but the last time he won a major, um, Scotty Scheffler was a freshman at Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago, man. It's been a long time since he won. And Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler, man. Who was man. leading most of the tournament and uh, struggled on Sunday. But 
Yeah. You know, he had struggled for for several years now, and this yeah. year is making a great comeback, and it was going to be a great story had he won it. But Wow. He had uh, 20 birdies the first two days, I think, like that. Yeah, or, something or like, like that. A, a U.S. Open record or something? Yeah, he was. it was incredible the amount of birdies he had. Like, yeah. I think through, like, the first two rounds, he had, like, five pars or, or six or three. It was a crazy number of low number of pars that he had. Yeah, no, everything everything was a mark. It was either a bogey or a birdie, mostly birdies, um, and that's why he got up such a good lead but was unable to finish, did not have a good day on Sunday. But, yeah, it, it's just guilty pleasure is being able to watch the U.S. Open um, on Father's Day. You know, that was just – that was just kind of fun. All right, so we got uh, plenty to talk about. Of course, the Rays uh, lose a series to the Padres. We'll get into that. And Blake Snell has a really big day against them. Um, but first, I, I want to talk a little bit about Mike Evans. And I wrote a, a story in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. It actually dropped on Friday. Uh, but it's always interesting to me, first of all, you should never judge anything by Buck's Twitter. I realize this is a, <laughs> a faulty thing to do. Um, but really, Mike Mike Evans nationally, I always felt was underrated, right? I mean, he's rated, so was he underrated? But I mean, they, they, when they talk about the top receivers in this league, he's he's frequently left off that list, right? And But for the last nine years, there's not been a more consistent player in league history at that position. Like, He's the only player that began his career now with nine and counting straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons. And people go, well, they play 17 games now the last couple of years, and you know what is 1,000 yards with the rules? And, and I, I get all of that because there was a time when, you know, if you finish your career with 10,000 receiving yards, we'll see you in five years in Canton. I mean, it's just it was that automatic almost. And now it's not, you know, because, yeah, guys are putting up, you know, ridiculous numbers. I mean, we saw what Cooper Cup end up with what 2000 one year or something like that. So, it's not what it used to be, but in terms of everything he brings and the fact that, you know, he's not only a four-time pro bowler, he's a Super Bowl champion. And so it you know, the they're in the situation where this is his last year of his contract. And he has been unselfish in every way you can be unselfish, especially renegotiating or not renegotiating but restructuring his contract almost every single year the last four or five years to create salary cap room for them to re-sign a bunch of free agents to make this run with Tom Brady these last three seasons and Mike has been a big part of that um, it's not a huge sacrifice to be honest with you. Uh, you, you know they pay your money up front as a signing bonus but it adds it adds salary cap you know cost in the end of your contract and towards the back end of your career um, and so therefore, as you get older, they're more likely to maybe do something with you because they paid you the money. But now, for example, his salary cap this year counts $23,698,500. Uh, That's a lot for a receiver against a salary cap. And especially when, you know, you're paying Chris Godwin $20 million a year. So you can reduce that number if you can get him to agree to a third contract, um, and we can talk about what that would look like, but uh, the news of the day is anyway that those talks are are happening. I talked to his agent, Derek Gilmore, uh, who just reiterated, like, look, Mike, Mike loves Tampa. 
I know the feeling's mutual. Um, his productions is the best of all the guys out there. Um, the Bucks ownership has to love that Mike isn't even an off-the-field conversation, and he's an on-the-field terror. Um, I got to think that they would like to lock him up to a third deal. Yeah, they do. Um, I've confirmed that they do. It is mutual. They do want to sign him. Now, like anything, negotiations are just that, right? You got to agree on value. And, you know, when we talked about Chris Godwin, that was a three-year, $60 million deal, but they guarantee $40 million. I always look at the guarantee, and I divide it by, you know, what's reasonable, right? $40 million, two years, $40 million, that's a $20 million a year contract. That third year, he may or may not see. Um, and that's sort of what I look at, you know, with Mike. Are you going to do add two more years, around $20 million a year? So that, that seems like it would come in that area. Maybe, maybe not. Um, What's interesting is, uh, and, and I, I, it's kind of like, you know, Twitter's that dark place, right? Well, I always talk about the, you know, the, the road has got a bunch of glass and, you know, there's dogs barking and, you know, it's just not, not anywhere you want to walk sometimes. And so when I posted this story, you know, I guess the majority of people were like, oh yeah, man, do it. Mike's a great guy, blah, blah, blah. But there have been a lot of, this year especially, there's been a lot of talk about trading Mike Evans. Like, oh, you should trade him. Um, get get what you can for him. And first of all, if you traded him, uh, especially if you traded him before June 1st, um, it would, would not have helped you on the salary cap, to be honest with you, uh, for reasons I'm not going to get into here. But it just wouldn't have. And so, um, not that he was untradeable, but it probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been the best thing to do. Plus, you lose the player. But what's even more sort of disheartening is that uh, I know that nationally he doesn't get a big run as far as the top receivers go, but even locally, like there's people on my Twitter feed, I'll read one, and this was not representative of everybody, thank God, but you get this kind of thing, right, where uh, Steve Foley, whoever you are out there, he says, Mike Evans is trash. <laughs> he can rack up all the fake 1,000-yard seasons he wants. He's soft. He takes plays off. And he has stone for hands unless he's wide open, 50-plus yards downfield. It's never been easier to play as a wide receiver in this league. No Hall of Famer. The greatest wide receivers ever barely make it in. Huh? I'm sorry. There's fake yards in the NFL? <laughs> fake yards. A thousand fake yards a year. I have never known an NFL player to fake in a thousand-yard season, much less nine of them in a row. Um, and the thing about playing receiver in this league, while, yes, the rules are now more beneficial than were they were, say, when Ronnie Lott was playing safety. Um, having said all that, you still got to go out there, run the routes, catch the ball, make the yard, stay healthy, win. Um, and those are all things Mike Evans has done consistently since he was a rookie in this league. I mean, he holds an NFL record. You know, when they say things like he's the only player in NFL history, like if, if sentence begins that way and your name is at the end of it, yeah. It's probably not fake, okay? And Mike Evans is the only player in NFL history, not Randy Moss, uh, not Chris Carter, um, any great receiver you can name this in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mike Evans is the only player in NFL history to, to post 1,000 yards from his rookie season every season he has played, now going on nine consecutive seasons. He's looking for a 10th. 1,000-yard season this year, and he's already got more than 10,000 yards in his career. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, you know, 
making the deep balls when you're wide open, the catches and things like that. Well, you know, not everybody makes them. I can remember one he dropped against Carolina and kind of got up to a bad start up there last year and they lost, but uh, he's made enough. And, and the other thing I would say is when they do these contracts, you know, if you're the agent for him, um, if you're Derek Gilmore, for example, you know, your job is to present an arguable case that for him that, hey, look, here are the comps, right? Here's the comparisons. You know, let's look at Mike and how many years he's been in the league. Let's find a player that's been in the league about the same amount of time. Let's compare the numbers. Let's compare the production, the Pro Bowls, all of that. Okay, so apples to apples, if you will, because they're playing in the same league, right? Not with the same team, but the same league. Well, one of those comparable players, quite frankly, is Devontae Adams, which a lot of people consider him maybe the best. I know a year or two ago they were talking about him being the best wide receiver in football. Now, Devontae Adams came out the same year as Mike Evans. He came out of Fresno State. Mike Evans came out of Texas A&M. Adams has fewer yards in his career. He's got 9,637 yards. Mike Evans has, as I mentioned, over 10,000 yards. Um, 10,425 to be exact. Devontae Adams has more touchdowns. Okay, he's got 87, but Evans has 81. And if you're talking about 80-something touchdowns, not a big difference. The six variants really last year was an aberration for Mike because I think he dropped down to like four or five touchdowns on the season. He's usually been averaging about 10 a year. Um, So they're comparable players. You don't think of them that way for whatever reason. Oh, I got a reason. One guy has played every eight seasons, eight of his nine seasons, he played with a guy named Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Heard of him? Think so. Four-time MVP? Yeah, that guy. That's who Devontae Adams has played with. Oh, and he did play one season with Derek Carr of the Raiders, who's now with the New Orleans Saints. Derek was a pretty good quarterback in his own right and still is. Okay, If you call the role of quarterbacks that Evans played with, uh, not as prolific, okay? Tom Brady, the last three years, I'll give it to you. He's the GOAT. He was the best, right? Uh, and they won a Super Bowl. What do you know? Won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and Mike Evans on the field together. Um, but you're also talking about, in the beginning of his career, guys like Mike Glennon, right? Um, what? Uh, Josh McCown, okay? Uh, Jameis Winston... He played with five of those seasons. And whatever you want to say about Jameis Winston, I don't know that he was a he was a receiver's best friend. I think Mike was Jameis' best friend. I think when Jameis got in trouble, he just threw it down the field and Mike would make some ridiculous catch and body some guy up for a fifty yard gain, because I saw that over and over and over again. But I don't know that I don't know that Jameis, the way he played the position with all the interceptions and getting behind and all this, I don't think he helped Mike. He threw him a lot of targets, but I don't think he helped Mike in terms of being the receiver, the way Aaron Rodgers might have helped a guy like Devontae Adams. Am I wrong? No, not at all. You can't forget Ryan Fitzpatrick was his quarterback, too. Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's another one. There you go. Very comparable to Aaron Rodgers, of course. Uh, Yeah. They they both play football um, (laughs) and play quarterback, apparently. And even Tom Brady, bless his heart, Tom Brady was the GOAT, is the GOAT, whatever. I think he may play again. I don't know. He's going to be, what, 45? Um, but this wasn't the Tom Brady, right? Even though he could still do it, don't get me wrong, they won a Super Bowl, he threw for 5,000 yards, and he had the most 
passing attempts the last two seasons of any quarterback. But was he the Tom Brady in his prime? No. No, he wasn't. In fact, last year, Tom Brady got rid of the ball so quickly that Mike Evans couldn't get off the line of scrimmage most days. <laughs> right? I mean, Mike's not open in 2.3, okay? Takes him a little while for the big guy to get going. Better than that, though, Mike Evans, is, in addition to being a great football player, he's just a good dude, man. I mean, the guy has a uh, charitable foundation uh, that helps underprivileged kids, helps them go to college, um, you know, uh, does a lot of things to uh, help victims of spousal abuse because his mom was certainly that. Um, his dad was killed by his uncle. I mean, if you read his story, and he's written a book, by the way, called Middle School Rules by a friend of mine, with a friend of mine named Sean Jensen. So if you have a child, you should get it for them. Uh, you can read about Mike's life. But for what he's endured in his life, and he feels totally blessed that he's in this position, he gives back, and he gives back a lot. He's been a model player for the Bucks, And if you look at the Bucks and their history, the thing that jumps out to me is just this. All those dudes that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame from Tampa Bay, and there aren't many of them, aside from the coaches, right, or the coach, um, they all play defense. Right, Leroy Selman, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch. This year, Rondi Barger will be inducted in August. The guy, the the greatest offensive player in franchise history is Mike Evans. If you can't extend that guy to a third contract, I'm not sure you're going to do it with anybody. To be honest with you, and I know a lot of people have thrown out, "Well, you should trade him." You know, he's he's on the end of his career, like. Uh, I don't think it would have made much sense salary cap wise. And as you said, Stephen, when we we're coming on, like, what are you getting for Mike Evans at this point in his career? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, you'll get two, a you'll get a two and a five, two yeah, and a four, maybe. You're not getting two number ones, no. You know, I heard guys on the radio over the off season is like, I think you can get a number one and uh, maybe two number ones. <laughs> wait, wait, what? No. Are you in your fantasy league again? Like, what are we talking about here? Um, you know, so for all those reasons, and we'll see where this goes. Now, you know, here's the thing. It, it takes two, right, to make a deal. And we've tried to talk to Mike over these last, and I don't know if this is related or not, but I like love a good conspiracy. We, we've tried to talk to Mike, or I have, over the last few weeks, and he's been at OTAs, and he, he was at the mandatory minicamp, and he kind of declined every time. And I'm just wondering if it wasn't, and they had been asking him to do some photo shoots and different stuff, so the Bucks were kind of had his plate full a little bit. Maybe just doesn't want to care to talk to us. But I, I wonder if it's because his future is sort of uncertain that he, you know, he knows the inevitable question is going to be, "Hey, this is your last year in a contract. What do you think? Are you going to be back?" What are you? And he really doesn't have a great answer for that yet. But the, the talks will occur. They are occurring. And I think that, you know, whether it's the start of training camp sometime in the summer, maybe before they play their first game in Minnesota, I could see a third deal for him. And the other thing about Mike is that while most players don't get better in their 10th year, unquestionably, he's been an incredibly unselfish guy. Like you talk about, you know, the, the position of, of wide receiver is a diva position, right? You, you've got to have – you're dependent on other people namely the quarterback, but everybody else too, right? Somebody has to block for that guy. Uh, the quarterback has has a lot of – he's got five eligible receivers on most plays. And, you know, even if you're open, that ball may not come to you because the defense may rotate. They may double you as they double Mike Evans all the time. Um, and so 
you're dependent. It's, you know, you're dependent on everybody else just to even see the ball. And that's why so many of them are divas and they're always open, you know, and all that stuff. Um, but with Mike, he's been a guy that's just been about winning from the time he got here. I mean, he had so many losing seasons, right? Never made the playoffs until Brady got here. I mean, he was in his what seventh year had not sniffed the playoffs, only had two winning seasons. And you got to remember too, he embraced other guys, you know, coming like Chris Godwin's star rose pretty quickly from Penn state. And he had over a thousand yards a couple times. And he had 100 catches last year. And then there was Antonio Brown to help them win a Super Bowl. He took some targets away. And then how about Rob Gronkowski, you know, Tom's security blanket? He took some targets away. Mike Evans never said a word about what about my catches, what if my production drops. All he wanted to do was win, and they did win, and they won a Super Bowl, and it's in no small part because of him. So, uh, for all the haters, and there's a few of them on my timeline if you want to go on there and read it, have at it. But um, I think at the end of the day, I think they're going to take care of Mike Evans, and I think they should. And, uh, you know, we'll see we'll see where it goes and how much it is. I mean, that's that's always sort of a uh, uh, of a negotiation, as they say. So check it out, Tampa Bay Times, TampaBay.com. Hey, we'll talk about the Rays weekend in San Diego, Santiago. You know that's uh, Spanish for it. No, never mind. Uh, I want to tell you guys how to save money on your electric bill. It's called May Electric Solar. This business is family-owned. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems now for 13 years in the area. They uh, There's a lot of these companies out here, right? They knock on the door all the time. Here's the difference. May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year Labor and Services Warranty Plus with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. That's what they're calling the May difference. If you visit the Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. They will customize it to your specific needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the job. Those are all Billy Mays guys up there on that roof pounding out those solar panels. Start saving today. Call the solar solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, so was it, I think it was Saturday night, I sent you a text and... um, I asked the following question. Is there any way Kevin Cash can go take out um, Blake Snell now in the sixth inning? <laughs> it's the way he did in the World Series. The Rays could have wow. used that for sure. Oof. Blake Snell was dealing, and he had every reason to, right? I mean, he's playing his former team, and, yeah, he remembers the World Series and good friends with Kyle Snyder and all those guys over there. He was talked very glowingly about. They gave him his start and won a Cy Young all that stuff, but man, he was motivated. His stuff was filthy, and he struck out 12 in six innings, but that wasn't just enough. The Padres pitching struck out 17 batters in that game that they uh, that they wound up losing. I think it was two to nothing was the final. Mm-hmm. The weird thing was that, that the Padres, who had been struggling on offense, scored all their runs in the same inning, scored two runs by hitting one ball, a sack fly, out of the infield. They had four straight bunts. When was the last time you've seen including Fernando Tatis, for God's sakes. When was the last time you seen a team lay it down four times? I bet it was Little League. Four times. We're talking in a month? 
That was the same inning, man. <laughs> same inning. Like consecutive batters. It was I, incredible. I have seen that in my kids' uh, baseball games, yes. See, there you go. Because they, they bunt until you prove you can actually Until you can throw somebody out. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what – that's what that was the Padres' approach. You know, we're going to keep putting it on the ground, see if you guys can get us out, and they couldn't. Um, so that was, a, that was a weird game. But, uh, yeah, you can't you – can, look, sometimes you just tip your hat to them. The one thing I would say as I sat and watched the game, Steve, was this. This is what pitching looks like in the postseason. You're going to go up against really good pitching. And the Rays have good pitching, too, and so other teams will struggle as well. But I've seen this movie. And I'm, I'm just wondering, like, this, this seems to be an aberration this year. Like, this is what we saw last year. We certainly saw it in the playoffs, the swing and miss. 17 strikeouts in a game for this team is, is, can't be something they would do if they get back in the postseason, right? Well, and that's been our gripe for years now is this team strikes out way too much. And when when you need a hit, they can't seem to put a ball in play. Yeah, this year's team that has not been the case. Mm-mm, not at all. Like they have cut down the strikeouts significantly. Yeah. And what worried you about watching Saturday night's game was that the swing and miss and the bad swing and miss mm-hmm. was there. And you, we haven't seen that much this year. And maybe maybe Blake was just really on it that day. Yeah. Or or for whatever reason, his stuff was really fooling the Rays hitters. Yeah, it was. Because it's something that, you know, it, we've seen pitchers shut down this Rays offense, no question. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, offenses have bad days, pitchers have great days, it happens. That's baseball. But the amount of swing and miss, that's it, it, it kind of led you back to the playoffs last year against the Guardians. I mean, you're kind of it, like, it was, yeah, it was, ch- to your point, it was chase and miss, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah. that Blake wasn't, he was throwing, he was dotting some fastballs and, and even and had just like, stupid depth on his breaking ball and he, of course we know he can throw four pitches but it was they were getting themselves I felt like it felt like the playoffs last year and that they got themselves out a lot you know mm-hmm. like Randy Rosarena struck out four times you know in a game like they and they were swinging it you know one fastball would be over their head then the curveball would be a 55 footer and it'd be bouncing to the plate and they'd still be swinging at it so that that was disturbing especially that number of strikeouts they never were in that game they never had a chance well they did have a chance they had a couple guys on they couldn't get them in um, but that was uh, that was disheartening. And then the game on Sunday, they had every chance to win it, and in fact, they battled back to five four. Uh, and then Tatis makes the throw of the year. Wow! To home plate, man, to get to get uh, Manuel Margot. But I still I, don't understand how it wasn't blocking the plate. I don't either. Like that's you're not allowed to block the plate without the ball. And if you look at the replay, and, the, and it took a while for the review back in New York, mm-hmm. the longer it went, I was almost certain that they were going to overturn it because why is it going so long? And they were looking at two things, right? They were looking at the tag. Did he did he beat the throw? No, he did not. And then, but the other thing they were checking was was he blocking the plate? And to your point, he set up with no room for, uh, you know, for Margot mm-hmm. to score. Well before the ball gets to him. The throw was so good. The throw didn't take him into the line. The throw was no. perfect. Yeah. Like, right. he set up with his foot blocking the plate. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And I understand why they made the rule change years ago. And, and to be honest, I think it's for the better because tired of seeing the catchers getting hurt. and play, yeah. You know, you don't want to see injuries. No. You know, I want best on best when I'm watching a game, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's the same reason the NFL, they've taken some of the stuff out. And, and it's mm-hmm. it's about keeping the stars on the field, keeping the best players on the field more. That's right. So I get why they took that out. But what's Margot supposed to do there? 
He did yeah. not have a lane to the plate. He couldn't do anything. And, and the throw the anything. throw did not take him in there, which is part of it. Yeah. The throw was so perfect, catcher didn't move. No. And he made a nice play. Like, the whole mm-hmm. play was bang, bang. Like, you, like, to your point, you can't fault them for trying to score. There. Now, they still had runners on second and third. The go-ahead run was now right. in scoring position, and they you know, they had their leadoff man up, um, Andy Diaz, who, who grounded out. So they had the chance to even win the game after mm-hmm. that. Um, but, yeah, it was – and, and you have to send them, like you said, if the guy makes a perfect play, that saved the game for the Padres. That was the it, game. It and then, you know – But what was surprising about the that. review is they said call confirmed, not call stands. Yeah. It wasn't like, well, we're not 100% sure, so – we confirmed he wasn't blocking the plate. How right. could you see? How could you see that? I don't know why. I, you, I guess you, I don't understand the definition of blocking the plate. If that isn't, if you would have said call stands, okay. I, I mean, I guess I could I could see where you didn't want to overturn it for it. Maybe you thought the throw got there in a time where it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Although I don't think that's supposed to be a part of it. No. But call confirmed was like what? I'll tell you what. It was such a good throw, and he was, I think he was blocking the plate, that if the if that throw doesn't go right to the catcher where he is, in other words, if it had taken him more towards the runner, right? Now, you're allowed to make contact if you're fielding the ball, so they, even then mm-hmm. they might not have called it. Um, but the fact that the, the throw was so perfect that where the guy was standing, he just tagged him on the chest, um, maybe that contributed to it. I, I wonder what would have happened had there been more of a collision. And, of course, there can't be a collision because you can't collide with the catcher. You have to slide. Mm-hmm. That's a rule to protect both players. Yeah, there's just there was nothing you could do there, man. I mean, I thought you're right. Confirmed would not have been would not have been the ruling I was expecting. Maybe call stands, but certainly not confirmed. And yet they lose the game. Uh, not their best road trip, to say the very least. But go three and four. Th- they had yeah. uh, lost the first two, then won three in a row, and then lost the last two. Yeah. I think they'll be excited to get home. But the worst part is they go to the West Coast again next week. Yeah, they're only home for a short time. Now, they got the Orioles coming in. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, and they're like four and a half back, I want uh, to say. Five that. games oh, back. Five back, okay. So it's a big series. I mean, you know, Rays still have the best record in the major leagues. Yeah, it's only a two-game series against Baltimore. So it's a weird one. It's just oh, Tuesday okay. and, and Wednesday. And then you get a four-game series against the Royals, who are, and then, and who are terrible. next to them and the A's are the worst teams in baseball. Yeah, and the A's have been playing well of late. The Royals, not so much. So, yeah, and then they go back out to the West Coast again. Yeah, Arizona and Seattle. It's weird, man. Yeah, and then uh, so their next, yeah, their next road trips. I mean, then they're in the Central Time Zone. The next road trip right after the All Star breaks, Kansas City and Texas. And I, I think like, they were going through, or had been going through, or are going through like a streak where they played like eighteen games in seventeen days or something. Seventeen like and sixteen. Yep, that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's that's a lot of baseball. Yeah. So today yeah. is their first off day in in you know two and a half weeks essentially. Yeah. First off day after a five and a half hour flight from San Diego yeah, well. to Tampa. But yeah, no, they'll they'll definitely uh, need to sleep in and and uh, clear their minds a little bit. Um, you know, Yanni Chirinos. I mean, I still think he should be the guy they run out there. Um, you know, he was never really in any kind of rhythm and. Uh, you know, he, he got they got behind pretty early, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's you know the the thing about their um, the Rays, you can say, is they're incredibly good at home. They're only twenty and seventeen on the road, mm-hmm. you know, which is not great. I mean, it's 
it's better than average. Obviously, you want to go 500 on the road. What do they say? 500 at home when two out of three at home, or 500 on the road, two out of three at home. But 20 and 17, it's meh. It's okay. For this team, um, they were 5 of 13 with runners in scoring position. Um, they outhit the Padres 12 to 7, but they didn't hit any home runs. They're just all singles. So, yeah, they were, you know, down by three after five innings. Was, they, they, they battled back. They had their chances. They had the right guys up there. And even in the ninth inning, down by just one, they had the right guys up. Um, but no, no, no doing out there in, uh, in San Diego. Tell you what, the NL West is, is a tight and competitive division. Like it's really, Dodgers are in third place now. Yeah. Arizona, I think, leads the division. They do. And the Giants uh, just what swept the Dodgers. So, yeah. Uh, overtook them by a half game. Right. And San Diego's in fourth place, and they're below 500. Just one yeah. game, but now. And they got a good ball club, but they're, yeah. They do. They're, I mean, they've got they got all kinds of star power. They just never seem to put it together. Yeah. And, and granted, Tatis was out to begin the year. They've had some other injuries as well. Right. And make no mistake, like, this is the best that Snell has pitched this year. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. you know, lights out. But yeah, he's think, not had a great season. No, I think he came in two and five, two and two six, six, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't great, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that they want to get that deal back or not. I mean, I think I think when they got him out of here, it was probably about the right time. But, you know, I, listen, this is still a magical year for the Rays, and whatever they do, 500, just below 500 on the road trip, it's not going to kill them with the kind of lead they have right now. Other teams are struggling. Yeah, look at Houston, well. too. They're in third place in the AL West because the Angels yeah. passed them. Yeah. And nah, it's right it's now, something. I think the Yankees in Houston are tied for the last wild card spot, meaning one of those teams would not make it if the playoffs started today. How about that? How about that? You mentioned the Angels. I saw where Shohei Atani leads the majors in home runs. It, it's incredible we're watching Babe Ruth right now. We really are. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not watching him because he's on the West Coast and no one gets to see him. It's too late at night. But that kid, I remember when 60 Minutes did a special on him. And he was, I think at the time, probably 21, 22 years old, maybe even younger. And they talked about this baseball player who was going to come to the United States. And he led the Japanese leagues in home runs, and he threw 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, get out of here. This guy, what? That's a Japanese. Nope. That's Shohei Atani, man. <laughs> that guy, I mean, he is. He's Babe Ruth. It's unbelievable that he's, I mean... Just to have talent enough to play in the major leagues. I don't care what you're doing. Pitching, outfield, first base, hit, sure, fine. Any one talent would be just fine. But to dominate and do it on both sides as a pitcher and a, and a slugger like that, just stupid, stupid, man. Some people get too much talent. That's just, that's incredible. It really is. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Well, it's early in the week. We're working on some guests for this week, of course. Maybe get a hold of Matt Baker to talk a little college football. And, of course, all that's going on with USF and their stadium, all of that. 
Did you see San uh, Diego State has uh, asked to withdraw from the Mountain West conference? Now, so, but they do not have a conference lined up. They don't have a conference lined oh, up. Okay, so. that's unusual. I think they they want to get in either the Pac twelve or the Big Twelve. Yeah, I would think there's going to be a lot of movement, man. Or maybe not that much, but there's going to be some movement anyway. I saw. We get back into this too. USF's landing some pretty good recruits too. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, it, it, football season is not that far away. Every time I get ready to go on vacation, I am on a vacation, sort of, except from this podcast. Um, I realize that, well, wait a minute, you're off, but then football starts real soon, <laughs> which yes. means you're not off, <laughs> you know, which means the whole the whole thing is backed up by 11 months again. Like, wow, you know, we'll be at the Hall of Fame game before you know it and Rondi Barber and getting inducted and then, you know, training camp starting in the end of, end of uh, June and, End of July. Yeah, not end the, of July. Or July. I'm sorry. I keep saying June. End of July. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's not do it. That. Let's not do it next week. <laughs> that would be really quick. Yeah, we're in June now. Uh, as a matter of fact, we got yeah, vacations to take. We do. We have. We, as Rome used to say, I get a lot of vacation. That's why I take a lot of vacation. I thought um, it was I get a lot of comp time, so I take it. Or is that? Yeah, we don't do that anymore. Or some. At least I don't. I don't know how you get that, but I'll have to ask some folks. Anyway, send in your mailback questions. We got time for that always every week. Um, and I have a couple already that we can get to, but uh, we'll do that this week. You can do that by sending us to us on Twitter at Sports Day TV. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Again, I hope you had a wonderful Father's Day. I know we did. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. For Steve Burst and Gummerick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, have a great day, everybody. 